and welcome to The Word is Resistance, the podcast where we're exploring what our sacred texts have to teach us about living, surviving, even thriving in the context of empire, tyranny, violence, and repression, the times in which we are living today. What do our sacred stories have to teach us as white people about our role in resistance in showing up and in liberation? This live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado in December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use this song for this podcast. My name is Drew, and I'm a pretty new contributor to The Word is Resistance, This is my second podcast, so I thank you for joining me and helping me along the way. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm a queer clergy person ordained in the Alliance of Baptist Tradition. I'm speaking to you from the Muskogee lands that are referred to as Atlanta, Georgia today. I work here as a chaplain with Emory University Healthcare. This is a podcast designed with white listeners in mind. It is, of course, for anyone and everyone to listen to, and we deeply value feedback from listeners of color and those of diverse faith traditions. But we are acknowledging that we as white folks have extra work to do, that it is our responsibility to learn how to resist the forces of white supremacy that we are complicit with. This podcast specifically is about using our religious teachings to help us in the work of resisting whiteness thought I would begin our grounding by reading a poem from one of my favorites, Jan Richardson. In recent weeks, these words have been especially significant to me. So I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Settle into how you are sitting or standing. Get comfortable And notice where your body might be carrying tension. Now here's Stay by Jan Richardson. I know how your mind rushes ahead, trying to fathom what could follow this. What will you do? Where will you go? How will you live? You will want to outrun the grief. You will want to keep turning toward the horizon, watching for what was lost to come back, to return to you and never leave again. For now, hear me when I say, all you need to do is to still yourself, is to turn toward one another, is to stay. Wait and see what comes to fill the gaping hole in your chest. Wait with your hands open to receive what could never come except to what is empty and hollow. You cannot know it now, cannot even imagine what lies ahead, but I tell you the day is coming when breath will fill your lungs as it never has before. And with your own ears, you will hear words coming to you new and startling. You will dream dreams and you will see the world ablaze with blessing. 
Wait for it. Still yourself. Stay. I'm going to read our two scripture passages for today, one after the other, so that we can return to each of them later on in our podcast. The first is Psalm 118, and I am reading from the Common English Bible Translation. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good, because his faithful love lasts forever. Let Israel say it, God's faithful love lasts forever. Let the house of Aaron say it, God's faithful love lasts forever. Let those who honor the Lord say it, God's faithful love lasts forever. In tight circumstances, I cried out to the Lord. The Lord answered me with wide open spaces. The Lord is for me. I won't be afraid. What can anyone do to me? The Lord is for me as my helper. I look in victory on those who hate me. It's far better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust any human. It's far better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust any human leader. All the nations surrounded me, but I cut them down in the Lord's name. Yes, they surrounded me on every single side, but I cut them down in the Lord's name. They surrounded me like bees, but they were extinguished like burning thorns. I cut them down in the Lord's name. I was pushed so hard I nearly died, but the Lord helped me. The Lord was my strength and protection. He was my saving help. The sounds of joyful songs and deliverance are heard in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's strong hand is victorious. The Lord's strong hand is ready to strike. The Lord's strong hand is victorious. I won't die, no, I will live, and declare what the Lord has done. Yes, the Lord definitely disciplined me, but he didn't hand me over to death. Open the gates of righteousness for me, so that I can come and give thanks to the Lord. This is the Lord's gate. Those who are righteous enter through it. Thank you because you answered me, because you were my saving help. The stone rejected by the builders is now the main foundation stone. This has happened because of the Lord. It is astounding in our sight. This is the day the Lord acted. We will rejoice and celebrate in it. Lord, please save us. Lord, please let us succeed. The one who enters in the Lord's name is blessed. We bless all of you from the Lord's house. The Lord is God. He has shined a light on us. So lead the festival offering with ropes all the way to the horns of the altar. You are my God, I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will lift you up high. Give thanks to the Lord because he is good, because his faithful love lasts forever. 
And for our gospel reading today, I'll be reading from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead, just as he said. Come, see the place where they laid him. Now hurry, go and tell his disciples. He's been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I've given the message to you. With great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. They came and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I am going into Galilee. They will see me there. Normally, most years, I find that staying in the 40 days of Lent, spending time in the wilderness, and approaching the darkness of Holy Week to be a period of time that feels long, fatiguing, interminable. Most years, Easter comes as a breath of fresh air, a rush of spring flowers and sunshine and hope. Most years, Easter is filled with hallelujahs and rejoicing that we have held back for weeks. Most years, I can't wait until we get to Easter. This year, however, as each day we are given a more terrifyingly large number of new cases of coronavirus, more deaths, more millions unemployed, I feel at a loss for how to get to Easter. Lent, the wilderness, feels like the only place my mind is at. I'm struggling to grasp at the hope of Easter. Maybe you are too. So I share these words and thoughts with you from a place of real messiness and feeling like finding the right words right now is a challenge. So I invite you to join me in a space that is most certainly unfinished and still unfolding for each of us. You might be in a very different headspace than me, and that's okay. We each approach Easter this year as we are, however we are. Maybe this year you are scared, or angry, confused, or hopeless. Maybe you are feeling unsafe and recalling past traumas. Maybe you feel hopeful and passionate 
or grateful. Maybe all of some of those things combined. But in reading our scripture passage for today, I am reminded that the Easter story is not really the joyous and brightly colored day that we often celebrate it as. Real Easter is as raw and frightening as we might be feeling now. In this version of the Easter story, we are told that the two Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who we often interpret from Matthew chapter 27 to be Mary, the mother of James, travel to go to the tomb of Jesus. These women, as in the other gospel accounts, go to the tomb as an act of mourning to do what they can amidst tragedy and loss and pain to care for the body of Jesus. But when they get there, they are faced with complete calamity. An angel arrives accompanied by an earthquake and lightning. And I have to imagine that it must have felt like their whole world was falling apart all over again. The soldiers guarding the tomb, who we often see as a representation of empire and punitive justice, cannot withstand the sight of the angel, and they faint to the ground. But where those soldiers fall... The Marys stay present and engaged, even in the midst of their fear. And I think that this is one of the most powerful things about the Easter story, whether I hear it in times of crisis like we're in or not. The transformation and resurrection always come alongside fear. So often in our white supremacist culture, do we categorize fear as some sort of moral failure a sign of weakness, a sign of ineptitude. We are falsely taught that courage is the absence of fear and vice versa. But the Easter story shows us the, the important things happen even when we are afraid. Our fear is so often our body's way of telling us what is important, what is vital, and what is safe. And when we act courageously while acknowledging our fear, we're paying attention to our needs, both individual and collective. The Marys are completely terrified. In the middle of grief, it feels like their world is ending. Their teacher and friend who promised a new world was murdered by the state. And they are wondering, where do we go from here? We too in the middle of this pandemic, might be wondering, might be asking, where do we go from here? When we typically celebrate Easter, we go to rejoicing, to victory over empire, because we already know how the story ends. We know that after Jesus dies, he is resurrected and he ascends, and then his disciples begin to figure out how to spread his message in his absence. But in this moment of t- in time, When these women are at this tomb, they don't know anything yet about what might happen next. They don't know if what has happened was a victory, or if Jesus accomplished his mission, or if he failed. And so even in their excitement to see an angel, they are still afraid. They still have so much to fear. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I work as a hospital chaplain. 
Although my psychiatric unit is far from the intensity of intensive care units and emergency rooms that are at the epicenter of this pandemic, I'm still witnessing up close many of the failures of the healthcare system in America that we are hearing in news reports all over. Shortages of protective equipment, inconsistent communication, displaced priorities, exhausted and underpaid staff. We have long known that the American healthcare system is broken. And we know that it is the most broken for those who experience oppression. For people of color, for people in poverty, for those who are uninsured. And so it's been pretty hard for me to be at work without feeling some overwhelming fear and anxiety. The task of a chaplain is sometimes described as bearing witness to the suffering of others, as journeying alongside and hearing other stories. And I've wondered what journeying alongside looks like now, in this moment of collective suffering. When the Marys learn from the angel that Jesus is waiting for them, is going to meet them up ahead, what do they do? They hurry, they run, and they are excited, even while they are still afraid. So maybe the Easter task at hand is to hear the good news that Jesus is risen, and like the Marys, channel their fear and grief and anxiety and run. Run towards others, our friends, our communities, those in need. Run to share the news of hope and transformation and a new world being built. Even if we don't know yet what it will look like. We must also remember that the heralds of a world transformed are from the voices at the margins. The good news from Easter comes from women. Women who in ancient scripture often go unseen and unheard. In these times, we must find those voices around us that empire would prefer be unseen and unheard. The voices of the undocumented, the abused, the queer, black, brown, and indigenous voices. And as we learn to look, we can already see the stirrings of a world made new this Easter. To change gears for a moment, our psalm today, like many psalms, covers a variety of topics. A few lines stuck out to me and seem unexpectedly timely. Verse 5 says, In tight circumstances I cried out to the Lord. The Lord answered me with wide open spaces. I don't know about you, but it has been so powerful to me to think about nature during this pandemic. That when so much of our capitalist and industrial world has become unsafe, that nature becomes our refuge. I have spent more time sitting outside my home, keeping away from others, of course, enjoying flowers and birds and sunshine, 
And God's creation in these times reminds me of what remains and what can thrive. Verse 9 says, It's far better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust any human leader. As we reflect on how Easter is at its core, a day when we honor that Jesus, a victim of state-sanctioned violence, victored over the forces of empire through resurrection, we also hold space for the ways that governments and leaders world over have failed us and put citizens, especially the most vulnerable, into harm's way for their own political gain. In this crisis, we know well the additional anxiety of having leaders we cannot trust. And we are led once more to look out for one another and to protect one another in spite of our leaders. Verse 22 says, The stone rejected by the builders is now the main foundation stone. In this crisis, I see hope in things that we have fought for, gaining traction and hopefully winning. That in this time, empire and its leaders will lose power when we come together as a collective. That we can win even more as we draw together. God's creation is showing us in this time of crisis places where we can go. Amidst the earthquake of pandemic, the lightning flashes of millions of unemployed, the fear of the unknown and unprecedented, we are learning where we need to run to bring good news. Just like the Marys, we don't know yet what will be next. We don't know how the dust will settle or where we will go from here. But here are some signs, some Easter hopes that I have noticed. I focused on creation care and climate change work. We have seen how our social distancing measures have seen record reductions in pollution. How can we take hold of this moment to pave the way for more green initiatives? How can we work towards this time as a starting over place for our planet? I think about collective bargaining and union organizing. We are seeing reports across the country of workers and tenants banding together to call for rent relief, hazard pay, child care, and fair unemployment protections. This crisis is making many of the inequalities for the American workforce that we have known to exist more visible and more irrefutable to those in power and to media reporting. And I encourage you to find out what is happening in your local area so that you can support the efforts of workers and tenants to demand fair protections. And we think now more than ever about how we can support universalized health care. Our case is laid for why every human needs access to universal health care. And in this crisis, I pray that we gain more political will and organizing for a health care system that truly cares for everyone. I ask you to join me in cultivating and fighting for the Easter hopes that you can imagine. Just like our Marys, we don't know what lies ahead. The task at hand is scary and uncertain. We know that right now much is still bleak and despairing. But we know what we must do to love one another, to protect those who are vulnerable, and to fight for justice. Jesus' many disciples had learned from him day after day. 
Jesus had prepared them to carry out his ministry in his absence. So now, too, we must think of the Easter work. So in this time, allow yourself to fear and allow yourself to dream of the new world that we can create. Look for how the world is being resurrected and transformed, even amidst our grief and fear. Look for the signs that at Easter, there is victory over empire. And let's keep running together towards resurrection. Peace and health be with you. You can find out more about Surge at www.showingupforracialjustice.org where you can stay up to date on current opportunities. Our podcast lives at SoundCloud. Search on the word is resistance. You can respond to the podcast by commenting there or on our Facebook or Twitter accounts. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to our podcast. Transcripts are available as well on our website, which includes references, resources, and action links. Finally, a huge thanks, as always, to our sound editor this week, Max Pearl. Thank you so much for listening and journeying with me today. Peace to you, beloveds. Oh,